Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 636, Instant Super Bowl 58 Reactions. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, you've gone to your all blacks. Is this in? Uh, is this your funeral uh, arrangements you've got going on here? Black yeah. hat, black shirt, black nail polish. Have you gone full emo after this loss? <laughs> I'm goth. Yeah, now I'm goth. Actually, I didn't wear my 49ers hat yesterday, which I had been wearing throughout the playoffs. I might be oh my can, God. building on the uh, superstition conversation we had last episode. Yeah. Maybe I am slightly responsible for the defeat yesterday. Yeah, I think that but was actually point number six for their loss in Bill Barnwell's article. He did a, a real big deep dive into the statistics of when you wear your hat, the difference it makes and you know all of that. Did he feel like the momentum changed at any point during that game? Yeah, no, he, he he doesn't believe in it. So no, he thought no momentum changes. Yeah, sure. But no, he's slightly disappointed. It doesn't, of all the sports teams I support, the San Francisco 49ers losing is not one that like has the same emotional impact on me. You know, deep down anyway, my one of my more controversial opinions is that coming up short in the long run is better than actually winning. You know, if... I am more excited for next season on the back of the 49ers not winning the Super Bowl this year. Whereas had they won yesterday, then that would have just felt like I'd scratched that itch for at least a few years. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's not, no need for mourning. There are other teams that I support that would where an equivalent experience would be far more disappointing. So what, uh, I guess in in our recap for the Super Bowl, how would you like me to phrase some of the questions at you? Do you want do you want me to go right with the aggressive ones right off the bat, or do you want me to ease you into it? Go with the aggressive ones. The aggressive ones okay. are fine. In major playoff appearances, should the Niners no longer even attempt to return a punt and just put all eleven men on the line? <laughs> it, it is true that I that I have quite a few memories of them messing up punt returns uh in major games that one was really surprising i felt bad obviously because the initial blame was just on purely the return on the returner man. and actually he was being smart Almost made an amazing of, play <laughs> yeah how quickly he reacted to it hitting an ankle but i don't yeah i mean to a certain extent I don't even know why you most of the time bother putting a guy back for punt returns. I would just tell a team, like, do you know what? If you're going to pin us, the fractional gain from the extra 12 yards, 13 yards. I mean, we saw, right, that even the Chiefs get backed up inside their own one. It's not like it necessarily leads to anything catastrophic. So, yeah, unfortunate. Game, that was a momentum, game-changing moment. Yeah. And uh, it's just un- unfortunate, really. I mean, there was a point in that game where I thought maybe they were going to give the co-MVP to the punter and kicker of whatever team ended up winning that game because both would have a legitimate case. I mean, on the Chiefs side, you had uh, Bucker that was kicking it like crazy, but then also the punter had some amazing punts, and he was the one that 
got the snap down for that. What was it? His 56 yard field goal made a real nice play of catching it high, putting it down quick enough to get that field goal. So he had a legitimate shot at one point. If they, if it ended up being like a 10, seven win, he might've got that. And the same goes for Moody who kicked the, what was at the time, the super bowl record field goal. Uh, and then their, their punter was also dominating it. It was, uh, it was a tale of two games for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a sense, right. Going back to when we went through our predictions, obviously I felt like the 49ers were going to win. I'll say it now. I think the 49ers were the best team. I think they were the better team on the day still for the majority of that game. Yeah. But yeah. I actually, thing... I, I, uh, I reached out to at the NFL and asked if I could get an asterisk next to that Super Bowl that says <laughs> Eddie thinks the Niners though, were the best team. They haven't gotten back to me yet, but I'm pretty well, hopeful that they're really going to care who you I think should, was I, the better team. <laughs> I should change that slightly because not best team, but better team, like of the two. That's that's, and you're right. I mean, it doesn't matter. But if, ultimately, here we're 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 here to talk about the game and analyze, right? So if not, we could just read the score, shut the podcast down, and move on. So, what uh, was the score? <laughs> <laughs> so. But the thing that I was worried about coming into the game, which was if they let the Chiefs hang around, if the game got close down the stretch, then that experience and winning DNA within the Chiefs would come to the forefront. And they would definitely have an advantage in tight game scenarios at the death. And that mostly proved to be true. I mean, I'm real. two too hard on the Niners down the line because ultimately they did put together a couple of important drives after they'd gone behind and the overtime drive wasn't the worst ever, but still, uh, you know, I'd say that was, you know, proved the, the difference maker. Yeah. I mean, we almost legitimately called it when I asked you towards the end of our last podcast, what's your confidence rating Mahomes down three with the ball with like a minute 30 left. Like we almost nailed that to the T that was close. Yeah. And I will say this, biggest compliment I can give to Brock Purdy, I had a lot of confidence in him on the couple of occasions when the Niners got the ball to start overtime and late in the game when they tried to string together that potentially game-winning drive when the game was tied. I had a lot of confidence in him both times that they were actually going to be able to put something together. Ultimately, slight disappointment on both of those drives, but still... You know, for a guy early on in his career, that's a big compliment to be able to give a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that first drive in overtime, I actually had confidence in him and he didn't look that great. I think that first one was the one that almost got picked and then he had a pretty bad third down, the second down, and then the third down, he didn't do much, but they got the holding penalty. That was like third and 28 and that kind of saved him. But then after that, like, you know, we've talked about, I think, you know, in the preview as well. He has a very short memory, which is great for a QB. You know, I think a lot of QBs had that been their first drive, even getting bailed out by a penalty, getting into the huddle, thinking like, oh, crap, I almost threw a pick. I threw a shitty pass and almost got a sack. I'm going to be done. But that next throw he made, I think it was like a 20 yard throw. He made like on a dime was the next play or maybe it was the one after like was a McCaffrey run and then a really nice throw and then drove them down the field, like did a great job. I was actually pretty impressed with with his poise overall, even though. Uh, Tony Romo had to point out 75 times about the nerves in a Super Bowl as if we don't understand it's a big game. <laughs> well, the two things that Tony Romo really wanted to focus on yesterday were the nerves and leverage. 
You spoke about leverage, <laughs> leverage a lot. Yeah. You yeah. spoke about how you can't right. give Travis Kelsey any leverage. You no spoke leverage. About how Kittle takes advantage of leverage, how McCaffrey <laughs> takes advantage of leverage. I think he must have said the word leverage about a hundred times yesterday. He must and have every, he must have found that Bovada bet <laughs> over and under. Every, everybody was was taking advantage of leverage to the point where I got confused as to what leverage even meant anymore because it just seems like whatever the outcome was, whoever won that particular matchup. Yep. They were dominating leverage, yeah. so yeah. You know, that so was... once Taylor Swift started chugging that beer, you know, once the 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 leverage kicked in, she was able to finish it pretty easily. And maybe that Bill Barnwell doesn't believe in momentum. Maybe he just believes in leverage. Leverage, maybe. that's <laughs> the thing. Uh, yeah, no, Purdy, he didn't make any real mistakes over the course of the game. You can obviously sort of pick out individual plays or throws where maybe things could have gone a little bit better or drives that stalled. But for the most part, I think you can criticize the play calling at those key moments more than you can criticize uh, Purdy's performance. And, and and maybe not even criticize. I think, you know, I think both teams towards the end, teams just made good plays. Like that third down play where they, uh, in overtime, where they had to end up kicking that field goal. That was a good play call. And it set up well, but I, it was a Chris Jones just made a phenomenal play getting through and disrupting it. Uh, maybe it wasn't Chris Jones. I forget who it was. But disrupting that play because Jennings was open on that that slug route. I mean, he was there for the first down. Like, it wasn't a bad call. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think if I were critical of both of those late, the both a drive that put them three points up towards the end of regulation, when if, you know, one more first down, they probably are winning the game because – Kind of getting under the, you know, getting towards under the two minute warning, Chiefs running out of timeouts. You're you're really looking at running the clock out at that point. That one and in overtime. And maybe in general, and maybe from Shanahan's perspective, a slight overreaction to the McCaffrey fumble in the first quarter. He seemed reluctant to run the ball as sort of as drives were extended. And McCaffrey actually had a lot of touches over the course of the game, although he was very active as a receiver. And you can say that the Chiefs did a pretty good job of actually limiting the effectiveness of the Niners' run game. But still, there were just these moments when it felt like, and it's very Shanahan, right? Like he has a history of this, of abandoning the things his teams do best, and in particular, abandoning the run in the second half of big games, stretching back to the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl when he was the offensive coordinator. So, yeah. So the, uh, that would be my criticism. Yeah, and and I agree. So the stat would kind of say otherwise, but I agree with you that it's more situational. So the stat was he ran the ball forty five percent of the time in the first half, and forty two point five percent in the second half and in overtime. So pretty comparable. But I think I completely agree with you. The big, so early in the third quarter when they came out. They had like that first drive that he didn't even touch the ball. It was three and out, three straight throws. And then even the second drive, they kind of did the same thing where it was like two throws and one run. But then what you're talking about was they were tied 16 all. The Niners had the ball with 546 left, had a chance to drive down the field, run the clock out, kick the field goal to win. First play, they do that pass to Jennings for 23 yards, gets them basically to the 50 with five minutes left. At this point, I legitimately thought the Chiefs were done. I honestly thought with the run game of the Niners on the 50 with five minutes left, it's going to be tough to get the ball back. They run the Debo for nine. KC calls a timeout. They run McCaffrey for three. Then they run McCaffrey through for five. And you have second and five, 
245 left on the KC35. They then pass it to Kittle on second down for no yards, get take it to the two-minute warning, and then pass incomplete to Jennings on third and five, get down to 153 and kick the field goal. Right there, I don't know when you have runs of nine yards, three yards, five yards, why you then abandon the run in a situation where you're running the ball at least three yards a clip here on second and five with the chance to run that clock. Like I, 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 I thought they would run there and really just like, I don't get it. Yeah. And I think to kind of further that point, right. They'd shown a level of aggression in play calling, right. When they went for it on the fourth down, instead of settling for the field goal already. So Shanahan had shown that he not only was willing to take a big risk in terms of the approach, but also an understanding of, the fact that giving the ball back to Mahomes in late game, tight game situations, you're probably going to struggle to stop them. And I think there, when you know, when you're highlighting having that th- second and five, I would have just said we're going to run the ball three times, uh, twice now. Yeah, and I would even and, hate it if you said three times. <laughs> yeah, realistically, three times. I wouldn't times. even have hated it because also the other thing too, right? Is they then also end up settling for a 53 yard field goal which i have to admit at the time in which they the two minute warning kind of threw me off and i didn't realize they were still that far away almost like it felt like they were very comfortably in field goal range and then all of a sudden it was like oh my god he's kicking a 53 yard field goal and it came back quick from commercial like i remember like commercial ended and like they were lined up ready and i was like holy shit 53 yards like this is ballsy i I know he just kicked a 55 yarder but this is a guy who's been on the hot seat a little here <laughs> yeah i mean i think that yeah he was good this season but he's a you know inexperienced relative you know kicker but that i just think you run the ball three times and i would have rather you lost getting stuffed on fourth and two knowing that basically a first down is not necessarily winning you the game but basically was ruling out losing it in regulation because then they got one more first down. Okay, they're going to attempt him. Maybe another. Maybe instead it was going to be a 48-yard field goal, and maybe he misses it. But you still know Mahomes isn't getting the ball back. And I would be critical of that decision. And then same in overtime, ultimately. Well, let's hold up on overtime because I think there's a few discussions there. Okay. But, yeah, but I, I agree with you. And then, you know, I say this all the time when we talk about these big games and situations. Like, give it to your best player. McCaffrey – is the best player on your team in the season on any day and today. I thought he was I thought he had a great game. You know, like he had a re- a bunch of really nice runs, broke through a lot of tackles. He was doing that thing where he kind of like half turns his body and like bulldoze drives through for those extra 2 yards. Like if you can't rely on the best running back in the NFL to get you 5 yards with 3 carries, then I don't know why do you have him? Like I think they could have had that. And and that I mean that ends the game. They get that first down, that game's over. Well, it's it's at least not lost, as I said, because you could have still missed the field goal. So you you know yeah. you, but uh, I, I agree with you to a certain. I agree with you that you just run the ball, whether that had been McCaffrey, Debo, whatever combination of creative run calls you would have wanted to use within their scheme. I'm fine with. But to counter one of your points, if you give the you put the ball in, in the hands of your best players. They'd kind of gone against the grain on that and a lot of big moments already in that game, whether it had been Jennings or Juszczyk or, you know, uh, uh, even you could say 
basically targeting Kittle for almost the first time on that crucial uh, fourth yeah, down conversion. Fourth you know, so in a way, when the big moments came up, up until then, they'd actually focus more on role players. And maybe again, if you're critical of Shannon, well, maybe getting he's too through smart. it to McCaffrey, though. I put that touchdown on McCaffrey. He like no, no, but through that whole. I'm, I'm not talking, but Jennings. I'm not talking just about the touchdown. Just the touchdown catch. Yeah, he, he had the touchdown catch. He had a couple of third down conversions, and I know he is. You know, Juwan in third yeah, <laughs> or whatever it is. Third and drawn. Yeah, third. And he drawn. is. He is one of their go to third down targets. So it's not that surprising. But still, you know, they had used the sort of more fringe receivers in those key moments. But yeah, I just think you're on the now ball let, three times. He's, I know she, they're kicking themselves today for that yeah. reason. Now let's get to final drive for the chiefs. Now down three, did you open up your betting app and put money on the chiefs to win here? No, I, I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. Cause they were plus 200 when I opened it. No plus two forty when I opened it up and I was like plus two forty. And I, I threw 50 on it. And then as soon as I clicked like go, the odds dropped to plus 120 in the span of like that 30 second window. I think everyone dumped on them and I got kind of got screwed because I wasn't quick enough to push the button. Well, it's also because they their drive started pretty quickly, right? They didn't. But no, this was like before the kickoff. <laughs> OK, but I actually felt comfortable that the Niners were going to be able to hold them to at least a field goal, to the at most a field goal. Like I actually so you didn't thought have, you thought overtime for sure. At that point, I thought we're looking at overtime. I didn't have much confidence that they were going to be able to force uh, a turnover or you know a failed fourth down attempt. That didn't. I didn't really feel like that was going to happen just because of the benefit of being knowing you're in four down situations with that Chiefs offense. I thought, and the quality of their kicker. I was like, I, I think they're going to be able to get 30 yards here and give themselves yeah. a chance. But so, so at what point did you think that the game might be lost? Was it just that last play? You thought, uh oh, here comes the last play, one pass touchdown? Yeah, pretty because, much. Because before that, I mean, you had the play before that was that Kelsey 30 yard or 25 yard play, whatever that was. 20, 22 yards. Yeah. yeah. So before that, like they, that to me, I felt okay, we're going to overtime here. And then he hit that. For a second, I thought he was going to take it to the house. And I thought, this is the greatest NFL script they've had yet. <laughs> Kelsey <laughs> to the house to win it, throws the ball right to Taylor Swift's sweet game over. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was a true one. You, you never, you, it's hard to tell what coverage there is in the behind. So you have, that, yeah. you have that moment of concern. But yeah, I was a little worried. It did, I know Romo, they were talking about how they would have multiple attempts from that at first with, I think it was 11 seconds when they, yeah, 10, I kind of knew, I kind of knew you're you're really getting one. Like there's, and that was a quick throw they made. that still went down to like four seconds or something like that. Yeah. And, and, but that was a little bit of a worry. And I have to admit, I don't think it was defensive pass interference, but still you have that throw to the corner and there is a little bit of context. There's a little bit of contact there, and I was a little bit worried that a flag was going to be thrown. And that would have actually then put the Chiefs in an interesting situation. Yeah. As to what oh, sorry. It was, they had five seconds left, I think. And, and that's why – five or six, actually, they had left. I think it was, it was six. Like you might, 
you might kind of be able to. And I was like, you're fucking psychotic, Romo, if you think you risk that. <laughs> I think it was six because Romo made, the point. Romo made the specific argument that if you had seven, yeah. you would do it. But yeah. six seconds, you wouldn't, which I thought was a level of Still precision. A psychotic level there. He's right. But I mean, on look, the one, right. you're right. That's interesting. He's right that you can definitely get the playoff and you probably are fine. But the slight risk is just for whatever reason, either a player gets held up, you know, you throw it just short of the end zone, a player gets held up and all of a sudden time ticks away or something weird happens like a fumbled snap and yeah. you don't you, you end up with, you know, time expiring. But Yeah. And he had Rice open. Did you see that as well? Uh, Romo showed afterwards. Uh, he I was did, wide yeah. open in the middle. So, but I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't hate that play, you know, again, Kelsey, that's been the connection that's worked for what five years now. I don't hate it. And he kind of, he kind of had a chance. I also think if you're going to run that play, right. With uh, that little time left, you kind of have to say, this is where I'm going with it. Yes. Because you can't risk kind of going through your progressions or he throws it to rice who looks wide open, but maybe a Niners player makes a good play. He gets tackled on the one. And again, exactly you time yeah. ticks away. Yeah. You know, you never know what happens. So I think you have to, in your mind, know, I'm throwing this to Kelsey. Worst case scenario, this is an incompletion and we're kicking the field goal. Had a shot. There was a slight second I thought, oh, my God, he's going to pull it off. But the defense was good. It was like that borderline D. You're not going to throw the flag on that. But in a normal day, actually, they probably maybe call that. I think that's like a 50-50 call in a a regular season game. But maybe. All I will say, all I will say, Mahomes and Kelsey asked for pretty much every flag they <laughs> potentially could get. And you didn't have a lot of complaints from Kelsey. You know, like it wasn't one no. of those. So yeah. it's probably cleaner than it may have looked even. Yeah. All right. So let's go, to, let's go to overtime, Eddie. The big talking point right now, I think, is twofold. One, it's the Niners taking the ball first after winning the coin toss. Um, and for... I mean, those who I'm sure everyone has heard the arguments now, but and saw kind of in real time, the argument being that if you get the ball second, you know exactly what you need to do if that other team scored to either keep this game going or to win this game. The two arguments that Shanahan made a point of is one, he was gauging the level of like his team in terms of who was tired and what was not. So he thought his defense needed more rest. But the other point he made is that the point of taking the ball first is that then you get it the third possession and then you can automatically win the game on your third possession. So assuming you score, then they score, then the next person gets the ball, then it's sudden death overtime, like old school rules. And he thought that was the advantage of why you take it first. Yeah, which look, from an analytical standpoint, probably makes perfect sense. Probably if you crunch the numbers, that's the smart move. But I'm a big believer in overtime, even under regular season overtime rules, that I prefer to let the other team get it first. And just think, do you know what? I'm going to trust my defense that we're, we're going to avoid giving up a touchdown and as long as we do that we are now in the favorable situation because even if they kick a field goal we now only have to get 30 40 yards in four down territory and you'd feel confident about that fact 
with the added benefit of knowing that you can get a touchdown to win the game. So I don't like in general receiving in overtime. I kind of like these overtime rules. I still think it's an imperfect solution, but I do think this is better. The thing that blew my mind is a number so, of Niners Niners players, right, came out subsequently yeah. and said they didn't even know the rules. That so that either, was point two. Yeah. I was going to say is, is that the Niners, like you said, came out and said they had no idea that these rules had changed what these rules are. And I was going to ask you some you, players. Some. Not, yeah. Okay. But, but the other talking point, I think you even said it is that they never discussed it as a team. And I was going to ask you what you think of this, if that really shows anything, because on the other side, I think it was Chris Jones who said the chiefs have been talking about this rule change since training camp and making sure every week that players knew the difference between the regular season overtime rules and the playoff overtime rules, and that everyone was well aware from before week one what these differences were. So the weekly, the the thought that the Chiefs are dedicating weekly time, I don't believe, to this discussion. I do think, though, the Chiefs have a certain advantage in as to why this would have been a greater conversation topic of conversation for them because ultimately this rule was kind of changed because of them right like this goes back to the chiefs bills game and the bills never getting the ball in overtime and it would be natural as a result of being directly involved in the game that changed the rules to talk about it a little bit more and to maybe have a, a greater level of understanding that but. being said it just <laughs> blows my mind that there are people who this is your job and like I know what the overtime rules are. The only rule I wasn't sure of, which clearly made itself evident, was I didn't know, is this a quarter or is this a half? Like, is time expiring yeah. here? I That was the only thing I didn't really understand yeah. was, was that element. But I mean, that sorted itself out pretty quickly when you just saw that the Chiefs didn't seem to care about time running down. Well, I, I loved. I also love that Tony Romo waited to the very end to inform people of that. Like he knew that people were thinking about it, but he was like, "Let these people sit on it a little bit and get stressed." He's like, "Oh, and uh, as you guys know, I mean, there's two quarters here, so that's why the Chiefs aren't hurrying with 11 seconds left." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, thanks. A little late on that. I mean, I knew that, but I'm sure a lot of people didn't. <laughs> but. Uh, what I will say is it's maybe slightly going back to that winning DNA and preparation and kind of something you would have expected out of the Belichick era Brady Patriots is that attention to detail and removing any little degree of uncertainty in high pressure situations. You don't really want your players on the sidelines kind of being like, wait, what, what's going Like, what are the rules? Like what's happening? Like that, even that minimal, 15 second distraction can't be ideal, but look to a certain extent, this is so much like outcome based. Like if the 49ers had won, wouldn't blow my mind. If part of the narrative was like, did the 49ers benefit from a more relaxed approach to overtime rules, you know, where the chiefs in their own head by uh, preparing all year. And I, I'll give Sanahan some credit. I think going into it, the fact that he, Reading the game situation matters. Like knowing that your defense is gassed, that they've just been on the field, giving them a little bit of time to breathe. I think you need to be somewhat reactive 
to what's going on in the game and not decide on September 1st, hey, if we get to the overtime in the Super Bowl, we're, we're kicking off, like, no matter what. That's, that, that's all I will say on that front. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I guess my bigger point was kind of what you say, like the the DNA of the championship caliber team is, I don't know how in two weeks lead up to a Super Bowl, you don't just give a quick two minutes, hey guys, like we're doing situational things. If things go to overtime, you guys all know the rules, right? Well, just in case you don't, here are the rules. I mean, that's that kind of blows my mind that they don't cover something like that. Yeah, and Ustek went to or, Harvard, or at the start of, or even at the start of the postseason, because it's the same rule it, it would, when the, the postseason whole, starts. Yes. No, you would have thought you would have. Let's just do a quick. You know, any questions? These, this is where this situation kind of changes. Let's just make sure have a refresher course and make sure everyone knows, just in case we get into that situation, because it could also change. Right. I don't know if you get an interception. How are you reacting to that? You know, like how are you attempting to return it? How are you attempting to return it? Like, yeah, all of those things could have become a factor in sort of the in actual in-game situation. But also didn't now, help when the ref was explaining the overtime rules and kind of fumbled a little bit on what he was saying. We're starting a new game. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, both teams get possession. Wait, no, if one defensive, uh, uh, <laughs> he kind of like fumbled that part a little bit. Yeah. But, I was like, dude, get it together. It's the fucking Super Bowl, man. <laughs> I do prefer these rules. I still, I'd ultimately rather just have, like, this feels like the stage in, in European football that we were at when we were toying around with, like, golden goal, extra time, and all these kind of gimmicks. And it's like, do you know what? Just pick an, an allotted period of time that we play after and just play the game out. And if that means that the Chiefs got the ball three times in overtime, good for them. But I don't know why American football, it's the only sport that picks this like really complicated overtime situation. Like every other sport, like in basketball, they don't suddenly go like, well, it's the NBA overtime. And in this situation, you can end the game with a three, but any any two-pointer, the game keeps going, a free throw, and it doesn't matter. You know, like they just... The, the only strange. defense I'll give I'll give the NFL over the NBA is I think, especially in, in the Super Bowl, and I think we saw it. These players were gassed. I mean, to to cool. say like you have to go another twenty minutes, it, you know, it's you're Good. not getting the quality, and there's going to be some some fuck ups. <laughs> I mean, I don't. That's part of the reason why I watch, like really physically draining professional sports performances. I think that's part of the appeal sometimes to think, look at those, they're exhausted out there. They've put it on the, all on the field, you know. Again, plenty of other sports that are just as physically taxing as American football. If not more, because at least in American football, these players are getting breaks and oxygen tanks throughout the game. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like they should be able to build the fitness level to play an extra half if they needed to. Uh, but I, well, I don't know. I and I'm not just saying that because the team I support lost, because I don't ultimately it doesn't bother me too much. I just think, what do you think would have been more fun if they just said, "Here we go, guys. Here's an here's quarter number five. If yeah. scores are tied at the end of quarter number five, quarter number six. Like, let's keep going." Yeah, and that was what they ten minutes, right? What they put on the clock there? That was ten minutes, I think. 
two 10 minute quarters, I think is what they did. Because they ran it out in two possessions, so I'm almost positive it was ten and ten is what they, was what they do. I would, yeah, I, I would be fine with a one fifteen minute possession, uh, possession one fifteen minute quarter. I think that's fine. You're you're at least getting three possessions out of that. And again, like I, I hate this. I agree with you. I hate with the well. That means the Niners will get two possessions. Well, kind of. But if you're the Chiefs and you've got the ball with eight with eight minutes left, you kind of have to play that into your play calling. Like maybe I don't run this clock up. Maybe I try and score a little quicker or get, get some points quick and then give it back so we can then get the ball back again. You know, like you can play into that in your play calling and you know that as you're calling the plays, you know? So like this whole like, well, what would have happened was the Niners would have got the ball back with three minutes left and that's not fair. They got an extra possession. It's like, yeah, it's because the chiefs milked the clock a little bit there. Like, and as we saw, they might not have. Yeah, you know, we got to we got to see that actually kind of play out in a way. Like we basically got to see an extra quarter played. Obviously, the timeout usage down the stretch would have been a little bit different, so there would have been more time left on the clock. But still, we kind of got to see it. You could just have two possessions, and if you really care that much about oh, it's unfair, one team gets more possessions than the other, we see that in the NFL in a regular season game, yeah. you know, you can have more possessions. We don't suddenly get like, hold on a second, because the way that that time worked out, you had one less possession than your opposition. So, you know what? Here's the ball again. If not to take the clock off, let's just play a game of 15 possessions each. How many points can you get? I mean, which obviously is that's basically college overtime rules, but I don't know. I feel like, I can at least live with this sort of in view, but I would still just prefer keep it simple, extra quarter, game tied, extra quarter. And it, for the people listening out there who are like, well, what if the game's tied four quarters in a row? Cool. You know, how great would it be to be watching the Super Bowl in the ninth quarter and watching <laughs> what that looked like? But also realistically, it wouldn't be because we don't see that many quarters anyway end in ties. So we're going to see, you're going to see a team at some point win it probably in the first quarter of overtime anyway. Yeah. And then, I mean, so the last two talking points I have are, I think both Mahomes related and both Niners defense related. Uh, the Niners front in the first half was phenomenal. I mean, they did, they, they did a great job of continually getting pressure on Mahomes, but then also not letting him do what he loves to do and just kind of like scramble in, out, around, you know, get an eight yard run or run around and then find an open guy. Like they did such a good job at containing him. And that was another thing Romo made a few points about Bosa containing. That was another talking point for Romo. And they did a phenomenal job. And so did Chase Young. But then that third and fourth quarter hit and that front looked gassed and i don't get it like they did not look nearly as good as they did that especially the fourth quarter in the overtime that front didn't do much no and yeah you can say like Greenlaw going out probably in like has a knockout effect in terms of you know how that the responsibilities of what some of those players have made would have and some of the sort of schemes that they then run 
I mean, this is going to sound outrageous, but it goes back to your point about people being gassed. The overall like aerobic fitness of NFL players, I consistently have to question. Like the number of times you just see players exhausted. I mean, you see players one six-minute drive in the first quarter, and they're on the bench getting oxygen. And there's what a, a take. What a take by the guy sitting in a chair in front of a microphone. <laughs> there's not a lot of – I'm just saying comparing it, there's not a lot of other sports. I just – you know, there's those moments where it feels like NFL players are so highly optimized for – those kind of very individual tasks that they're performing. And sometimes at the expense of just the kind of endurance that they need from their fitness. And you see it. I mean, it's different from player to player, right? Because you'll see guys who play every snap and you'll see other guys who are out. Sometimes I wonder why, you know, like, I don't know why Travis Kelsey can't be in a position to play every snap. Well, you know, like, I'll tell you what, he doesn't he like it either. No. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> that, when he pushed Andy Reid, man, Andy Reid's reaction, he had no idea that was coming. No. It was like he got hit by a bus. <laughs> and Travis Kelsey, one of the luckiest men. The, yeah. the Chiefs came back and won that because they got to laugh that off as, well, that's just Travis being intense. Yeah. He settled down and focused. Great second half. If they think lost Taylor Swift that, saw that and said, Oh, that's just Travis being intense. Can't wait for a lifetime of that. <laughs> Especially when the CTE starts to settle in a little bit. Yeah. If that wasn't a warning sign, I don't know what is. <laughs> but and look, I don't like this. I don't like some of the analysis that goes on sometimes, but I'll say this. I do think the laughing it off because it's a likable white player. I do think if that, you know, AJ Brown made the point on Twitter of like, what would have that, what would have happened if that had been me? And I do think some of the analysis had that even been, I mean, they don't really have, had it been Pacheco, I think is a little bit different. Obviously there's a superstar element and I can't, there's no compare. Like if Tyreek Hill had still been on the team, and that's Tyreek Hill bumping Andy Reid. I do think we're we're wading into controversial and difficult territories there, but I do think it is a, sl- a somewhat fair point. Well, it wasn't I, – I wouldn't say a lot of people watching it laughed it off. So on the halftime show, I think half of the – you know, anyone who mentioned it was like, not a good look. There, and the other guy was like, I do not like that one bit. I forget I forget who it was because they have 14 people on the panel. It's really tough. And they just go rapid fire one after the other. There's a point where if you're not paying attention, who knows who the hell's talking? <laughs> but yeah, they, they kind of, you know, I, and obviously Twitter reacted pretty, uh, you know, there was not the best of situations there. But you're right. They do get to laugh it off now and it'll be brushed under and no one will remember it a year from now, except wasn't that funny when Andy Reid looked like looked like uh, he got hit by an animal? <laughs> yeah, it looked like a walrus getting attacked. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it did look like, you know, like a, a killer whale, like an orca was popping out of the out, out of the water to attack, attack like a, a walrus on the shore. But it, it, it's not a great look. And I got to say, I like Travis Kelsey. His act, when, you yeah, listen to the, when you listen to the New Heights podcast and stuff, he seems like a nice guy. 
he doesn't take himself too seriously. There's a lot of endearing characteristics to him. The sort of wrestling persona that he has built as part of his football career, though, is incredibly cringy and incredibly annoying. Like all of the... You got to fight for your right stuff? Yeah. I mean, how someone isn't taking him aside and saying that you've got to fight for your right is downright embarrassing (laughs) is beyond me. And the voice he puts on, like it is very much like he's going into wrestler character. Like he's doing a sort of Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Which is interesting because George Kittle's the one who like loves the WWE and has actually been in WWE matches. (laughs) And doesn't do the voice. He might do the Ric Flair like woo that you might get out of him but aside from that he's not doing he's not building a full persona but yeah yeah. but kelsey's a lucky boy because i do think boy wow yes i do think this would have been an ongoing discussion in the postseason had they lost that game all right and that's my last point is mahomes is just an absolute gamer I think there is no one now I think is more clutch. He could be one of the most clutch people in all of sports. And that's not to say he, that was his best game ever. Cause that first half, I mean, a lot of that was the Niners defense. He didn't do much bad things, but he didn't do great things in that first half. And it's almost, you know, we even talked about this off podcast. There was so many times where it looked like he kind of had a throw, but then didn't and like pump faked it and pulled it back. And then kind of took the sack. And I mean, it's, it's an outrageous statement, but it's almost as if he was saying, I don't need to risk this now. Let me just hope we can stay in this game because I'm confident down the clutch that I'll just click and we'll we'll win this game. And 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 maybe and that's probably a dumb comment, but I think there might be something to that where he's willing to not take those risks early on with the hope that as long as they're within even maybe two scores, he has some confidence going into that fourth quarter. Because he did not play great, but come once they got that that uh, muffed punt, if I guess you still call it a muff, even though it hit the kick leg. Once they got that, it was like, oh, time to turn it on. And then it, since he had four incompletions in, I think it was the next thirty-seven plays after that. Yeah, no, no, I don't disagree. I mean, I think there's, it's. You know, whether you want to say it's clutchness or it's just an inner confidence and belief, right? Because in part, having been there and done that before, like, I do think with Mahomes, it goes back to what we spoke about at the very start. The Niners had the chance to take that game away from the Chiefs in the first half and didn't do it. And I, then if you're the Chiefs, you're in familiar territory. You know you've had comebacks before. You know if the game gets close down the stretch that you are sort of built to thrive in those situations. And yeah, he has... It, it, again, it's it's a tough one for me because ultimately it's fine margins, right? And it's very outcome-based. I don't think he really necessarily seriously like outplayed Purdy, you know, deep, like if you kind of really think about it. And so if Purdy had won, would I be... You know, if the Niners had won, how clutch do I feel like his performance was, you know, relatively. And, you know, you're right. In the in the second half, in the in the particularly in the fourth quarter in overtime, he was pretty much, you know, perfect. Perfect. He got lucky on one throw. 
There was one moment when he was getting pressured when he kind of tried to run up the middle and he lobbed the ball up and it went just over one Niners player and dropped just before another Niners player. Yeah. And those are those little moments that if that had, you know, if that had one yard more, one yard less on that throw, it's a catastrophic interception. Um, but, you know, that's those are the breaks of the game. No, I I will agree with you. I don't think. I mean, maybe when you put in the overtime, yes, maybe he outplays Purdy. But I think overall, I think they were pretty much both played great games. The difference, I will say, is I think Mahomes' performance mattered more to their win. like And, and he carried them more. And that's not to say I'm not calling Purdy a game manager. But I think, you know, other players really stepped up clutch on that offense at times, you know, whether it's Jennings, whether it's McCaffrey, um, it, you know, Kittle on that nice play, but besides Kelsey, I, Rice played okay, but you know, Pacheco didn't have a great game. And that last quarter and a half with the overtime, it was basically Mahomes said like, I have to go out and win this game. I mean, he rushed for, I think 40 or 50 yards in those last two or three drives, which he doesn't rush and they kind of just let him loose. And he did his thing like that fourth and one triple option where he got the 20 yard run. That that was awesome. That was like vintage Mahomes. It, it just, his performance mattered more to them winning it than, than Purdy's would have had they held on, I think. But I, I agree with you. I think they both played at the same level. No, yeah, I don't disagree with you. And that's just part of it is right. How the teams are built, but yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a, as I said, it's, and it's not a knock on Mahomes for me to say, you know, it was a fairly unspectacular performance, but when you win, you get a lot of credit that you wouldn't get had you lost. And, you know, that's just the way sport works. But, yeah, I thought he was good. I still don't think I started it with it. I thought the Niners were the better team. I don't necessarily think the Niners were the best team in the NFL, but they're on the day the better team. More importantly, I don't think this Chiefs team is – all that good, but they've won the Super Bowl, and having the knack and the know-how to win is a skill in and of itself. And you know, plenty of teams have been successful as a result of that. But I'm not. I feel the same way about this Chiefs team as I did about the Eagles, and I think we'll see from the Chiefs what I think we're going to see next season. Yeah. Same way with the Eagles, I had to wait a little bit longer to see it from them. I think we're going to see it from the Chiefs next year. That's all right. I won't fight back, Eddie. I see, you know, we started the podcast. You were in all black. You had tears running down. I'll, I'll let you have it. It's fine. I won't fight back. <laughs> we don't. I think you deep down don't disagree with me. I think that's the biggest thing. But I know you don't, you and I don't agree on the, the better team lost thing because that goes against your sort of overall mindset. But I just don't think... The, you know, I don't. I wouldn't put the Chiefs in the top four or five teams in the NFL this season, but their winning ability is admirable. And yeah, it's every like Lamar team Jackson. That like it's, it's Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback, but in big clutch games, you know, it's like almost like an opposite situation. Where is Lamar Jackson the best quarterback in the NFL? If you look at regular season stats and MVPs, maybe, but. I, I would pick Patrick Mahomes, like didn't have the greatest statistical season, but won every playoff game, 
cruise through and put his team on his back and won the, the Super Bowl. No, you, you're right. But at the same time, there are things that happen outside of your control, right? That, you know, like Mahomes had nothing to do with the muffed punt. And that kind of handed him a touchdown. And without that, maybe they never really string together a good drive. I mean, they had the good drive to start the game off where they with Pacheco fumbles. He has nothing to do with that either. But you come away from no points from an extended drive. He has nothing to do with... Well, he had the you nice know. pass to set him up for that fumble in the red zone. No, sure, but you know what I mean. Like you, you still have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could, t- you, you, you don't get a lot of credit for a long drive. You can have a ninety-nine yard drive yeah. where you fumble on the one, and no one's praising the quarterback for that because it kind of gets overlooked. And in the same way with Lamar Jackson, the flowers fumble. You know, if that doesn't happen, how different is this whole postseason? Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's. The one storyline I do want to say that bothers me a little bit, people kept going on about like how important was that mixed extra point, missed extra point. And it's true, obviously. That one point on paper wins the Niners the game. But yeah, Chiefs probably win it at the end of regulation and then with a the touchdown instead of the field goal. Yeah, no, they, they settled for <laughs> – no, but it's, it is true that the, you know, the Chiefs then settled for a field goal in a situation where they otherwise would have probably – they might not have because there was still a lot of time left in the games. They might have decided to cut it to a one-point game. But you don't know how things play out. You know, Another conversation that you and I love to have where it's very easy to point to that one missed point in the yeah. you know the second quarter and how that – So you don't – it, it, it would have changed, changed decision-making multiple times in the game later on. So it's not that easy. It's not like he missed the extra point as time expired. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing actually I will say is I have to give us credit. We talked all season the thing that would potentially be the Chiefs' downfall was their red zone inefficiencies. And they were 2-6 and six in the red zone. Like, it wasn't a good performance in the red zone. They had that one fumble, two field goals, or three field goals, right? And then, and then the two touchdowns. Like, it almost cost them. Yeah, no, you're right. And then they didn't, things were not easy for them when they got down there, aside from, I guess, at the most important moments. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty easy for them in overtime. Yeah. But the corn dog, yeah. <laughs> the play call. <laughs> and then the reverse, right? The Niners have been extremely efficient as the, they get downfield in all season, and they were a little bit less efficient in those situations mm-hmm. uh, in this game. So. You know, that was a little bit out of character for them. And and a lot of credit for the Chiefs. has to go to the Chiefs team, which played a very good game. And, you know, there's no denying that fact. And as Tony Romo liked to, to point out, like the balls of just the all-out blitz on that third down yeah. situation, you know, you, you, you have to, they deserve their, you know, their credit as well. But yeah. The Niners will be kicking themselves for a lot of decisions or missed opportunities. That's for sure. Yeah. There was also a lot of criticism about the potential refereeing, Eddie. Who do you think had more penalties? Ooh. It wasn't a penalty-heavy game. Uh, you're asking me, which makes me think the answer is the Chiefs. I would have thought it was the Niners because you had like – the multiple false starts and stuff like that was a little bit of a theme to some of the drives. So I would, I would lean towards the Niners, but I'd say it was probably close. And 
ultimate and really the the officials didn't play a huge part in the in the game itself. They both had six penalties. Okay. Yeah. Niners for 40, Chiefs for 55 yards. But yeah, I agree with you. I think overall it was a well-called game. The only thing I had a little hiccup on was there was a few times in the I think in the overtime there was two plays where all reviews in overtime go upstairs. There's no challenges that it looked like they should have taken a second look at it or at least stopped to take a second look that they didn't, that I thought, I don't understand why not, you know, like they were, they're both spot calls actually, I think. And they were both ones where, and this is what we've talked about before too, where the one was definitely still not a first down. It was like third and one, but it was still a bad spot. I think you're thinking of the use check completion. That was the first one that they sort of looked at when he reached yep. out and he fumbled the ball. Oh, no. I, I That wasn't a fumble. I'm so tired of people like, I don't know what a catch or is inco- anymore. incompletion. It's like, you know what a catch is? When you catch the ball, turn around, take two steps, and then dive to go to the pylon, and then the ball fumbles when you hit the ground. Like, that's a catch. I, I got to give Tony <laughs> Romo some credit, right? Because they obviously immediately alluded to the Des Bryant situation, and he... He could have got kind of hung up on the fact that obviously he was the guy in that game, yeah, and just went, "Oh yeah, yeah, the Des Bryant catch," and moved on. Des Bryant instantly tweeted about it. He's still living <laughs> in that moment, of course. No, I'm talking about the Pacheco. It was like third and one when they were on like their own 35 in the overtime, and then he ran up the middle and he didn't get the first, but they spotted him like the longest one you could, and it was actually like almost right there. It should have been like two inches, like. Why not just yeah. look? Like I don't get it. Oh. Well, there are people looking, right? And they're, but if you got into that level of correction, you'd be spotting the ball on every play Maybe. in overtime. Because well, because that's always we the need thing new that's spot funny. Technology, actually. Well, because it's a funny thing, right? People care about the spot on third and short, fourth and short. But they no don't one gives a shit yeah, about the spot on second down. Of like, well, hold on a second. It's second and eight. It should be second and seven, and no one cares. But you know. They have the technology to do the spotting. I actually watched this super interesting sort of like mini documentary that was going into all the technology that's used in terms of the graphics of uh, in terms of NFL TV coverage and how all of that works. And as part of that, they revealed they have all the technology to exactly spot where the ball is. They have to in terms of how they then put together some of the overlays and things. And they just obviously choose not to use yeah. that for the purpose of uh, actually making correct decisions. <laughs> yeah, cool for a, cool. Yeah. great for Nickelodeon. <laughs> not <laughs> not great for actually oh. just deciding the correct winner of the game. I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the questions I had for you is: Do you think Nate Burleson on his resume puts was a commentator for Super Bowl Fifty Eight? <laughs> Probably. Do you think he puts that on his resume? <laughs> oh, really? You were in there with Romo? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I was with SpongeBob. <laughs> and hey, I've said it before. I'm going to give a lot of credit to Sky, whose coverage, I think, has evolved from being comical a few years ago to being genuinely excellent. And in particular, I give some credit to someone who's often much maligned on this podcast, but Fitzpatrick. Oh, 
just by you. I love I love Fitzmagic. Yeah, you still say that the quirkiness gets annoying at times. Well, it's you? quirky. <laughs> I know, but your own. I can go back through the archives and find enough negative comics about Fitzpatrick from you. But his analysis was excellent. Like it's, he was still doing that thing that Romo kind of used for a moment in time did of applying like legitimate quarterback knowledge to analyzing situations. Really interesting in terms of how he was breaking down Purdy's performance, fighting back a little bit at some of the game manager situations in terms of the reads that he takes and some of the throws that he makes when there are easier alternative throws that he's turning down. But, you know, he, he was really quite good. And they, that's a tough one because in the complete reverse of what you're talking about, the U.S. with like 14 people, that's just four people in a very tiny room <laughs> and they don't, they don't basically in, in the stadium and they don't go to a lot of commercial breaks. So they have to talk a lot like that is on all of those extended U.S. commercial breaks. That's just them going in studio and breaking down the most recent drive or whatever. So you actually get a lot more quality analysis out of it for sure. So I guess some of the non uh football stuff what did you think of usher's halftime show i thought it was pretty bad i mean obviously there were sound issues he was kind of flat i guess you have to admire him for not lip syncing like that's you know everyone well, critics he didn't lip sync but then for like the first half of the thing he didn't even sing there was no, no. lip syncing to do he just went everyone like, yeah <laughs> everyone criticizes artists when they lip sync and this kind of showed maybe why you should lip sync because then you don't have the sound issues. So it got a little bit better when they kind of brought the band element in. The sound kind of improved. I think it's a tough one to judge at times. That might have been a much cooler thing to watch in person. On TV, I wasn't exactly impressed by it. And really the thing that bothered me too, we can cut just the career, just running through every hit you've ever had. You said to take the under on the eight and a half songs played. I think he hit eight songs in the first 30 seconds. (laughs) Play play four songs properly. Like give people a mini concert, not, uh, you know, quick compilation of everything you've ever done. Like, because by the time you're enjoying the song he's playing, he's on to the next one. And that was kind (laughs) of frustrating too. Yeah. So, um, for our more dedicated listeners, they'll know that we're actually going to be seeing each other in a few weeks for a stag party or a bachelor party, as you'd call it in the States. And um, I'm hoping, I just put in the order yesterday after I saw it, but I'm hoping we'll get them in time. I ordered Usher's uh, black suit with the blue abs, sparkly abs. And then I also ordered Ludacris's black with the uh, blue shoulder pads. So I'm hoping they're going to come in that we can put them on the on the bachelor for both nights. Cause I think that'll be who doesn't love to see a, a, a half of what looked like a Halloween costume of Superman with the cutout abs turned into like something Michael Jackson would wear all sparkly and colorful. Like, I don't know what that outfit was, but that was wild. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that made me laugh, there was one moment where he said, uh, no one ever thought I could make it here. Like he, he kind of in a sort of spoken word moment, kind of firing back at his doubters as yeah. if 
Usher's career has been plagued with doubts of him making a Super Bowl halftime appearance. Like it's a very, <laughs> it's like a really strange for a guy who, I mean, as they like to point out, global icon Usher. Uh, you know, it's a strangely specific thing to be thinking people were criticizing you for. Yeah, and I guess I mean, obviously, he is a phenomenal dancer, but is that is that the draw? to usher like when when people like oh usher's performing at halftime where they saying i can't wait to a hear his xyz songs or are they saying i can't wait to see him dance and move on stage yeah i mean i don't know if that's i don't know <laughs> well, i Genuinely. just don't know there are other people it's it's hard to speak for other people right in terms of what they were looking forward to i wasn't super looking forward to usher I don't love even going back to the years when it was Shakira and Jennifer Lopez dancing. It doesn't particularly excite me either. You know, I would. Oh, rather, I was different, Eddie. That was different. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I would still rather have. Uh, now, I liked their overall performance because I thought they did a good job of actually singing the songs that we know from them. But I would rather just have a band on a stage. And, and you know, the real thought, the other thought I had, because there was the cool, I obviously don't think that those, the the band on the field was actually playing that music, but it did yeah. make me think. I think the woman on the guitar was. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking about the sort of fake marching band situation right, he yeah. was using for his, it made me think I'd rather just see a, a marching band. I'd rather like a college <laughs> football halftime. Like those good them. ones that make like the images and the images move in real time and yeah. stuff. I would rather, A, I think that would be a greater advertisement for some element of sort of American culture, right? It's something that is very uniquely American. If you wanted to put on a show for the world of like, hey, this is something we do that no one else really does in this way. And also just, I don't know, let them play. A, you know, that could have been a dedication to Usher. We're only going to play Usher songs. And then we just watched that. I would have, I would have enjoyed it far only, more. I will allow it only, only if Little John still gets to get a mic during during his song. That, and just that was the best bit. It say. for sure was. Did you see? And then he just launched something like I forget what it was. Uh, like a new, he's like on a, on a TV show or something. It launched like right after it. Of course, of course. right. Random. Got to strike while that iron's hot. No one, no one, no one has known him for years now. No, and you have one hit that people still, still. No, he got to the window as well. Yeah, <laughs> slightly inappropriate for Super Bowl performances. <laughs> well, but maybe slightly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um. Yeah. Uh, commercials were whatever like the last five years they really haven't been that many decent ones um i get confused because you say you watch the sky sports but that you also do get commercials so i don't know if you watch commercials or listen to fitzpatrick (laughs) so i flick between them and then i was actually enjoying the analysis enough that i decided i don't need to see these commercials and i can just watch them on youtube later on and I do think there's now just so many weirdly like religious commercials and stuff that are 
are making their presence felt that uh those aren't enjoyable and i get it there's freedom of speech and stuff i don't know how you could actually i mean it's a private company so i guess they can do what they want but maybe don't have religious commercials during the super bowl like i would be fine with that being a a rule let's just keep these to doritos and stuff and have people do funny things well i'll tell you the the my biggest take home from all the commercials is what the fuck is Timu and where are they getting the money to put 13 fucking ads during the Super Bowl? And then my answer was easily given when it's a Chinese conglomerate. <laughs> they have endless money. That's where they're getting it from. Well, yeah, I, I mean, still yeah. don't know what it does, though. It's online shopping, isn't it, Timu? It, yeah, it looks as if you can legitimately buy everything and anything for yeah. no price. Like at one point, I think one of like the commercial it shows like a toaster oven for ninety nine cents. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just similar to like Wish. I think it's a kind of the same concept. Yeah, you've never used Wish? No. Oh, we had a we we had a mutual friend who used to order a lot of stuff from Wish. She would always like which. It was just entertaining because the thing that is it like up, where I order my jerseys, like sort DHK? of similar. Like <laughs> you're, you're ordering it online, everything is fake, but you know it. Like they're not really trying to make you think it's real. Yeah, yeah. But on top of it, too, the descriptions are sort of vague, so you don't know exactly. So like, <laughs> she would order stuff that would show up that would either be significantly larger than she thought or way smaller. Like expected a full size chair to show up, and instead it's a miniature chair. You know those those kind of situations arise but um yeah it's uh i think it's along a similar line to that no the future of super bowl commercials will be chinese e-commerce platforms and trying to convince you not to have an abortion you know that's gonna be that's gonna be all we're gonna have the feet washing one was just a weird one that was so weird i didn't know where that was going at first and then, because I I always forget that they do like the the religious commercials for the Super Bowl. They've done it now in the past like four or five years. And I was like, "What is this commercial? This is so stupid! It's like slow motion people washing other people's feet. Like, what the fuck is going on? Is this the like a shoe, really like is this like a shoe commercial? <laughs> I'd really like to get into what's the point? Like, is there someone? And there must be because enough people are watching, but. What's the conversion rate? Like, what's the acquisition cost for Jesus on those Super Bowl commercials? And is it, and I mean, maybe they just like starting the debate. Maybe they feed off the backlash of some people saying you shouldn't have religious commercials. And then they use that as an example of the way in which religion is being suppressed. But it's just a strange, like how, how do they gauge whether or not their commercials were successful? I was gonna say, do you think, do you think more people went to are gonna go to church this Sunday, or more people are gonna go to Timu.com? <laughs> oh, Timu! <laughs> more people are gonna go to Dunkin' Donuts. More people are gonna buy those stupid Dunkin' Donut uh, jackets and pants. Already got three of them. They're actually not that badly priced. They're it's one hundred and twenty dollars for this set. Mac gave me his game worn one. Okay. But, you know, that's, I expected it to be way worse when I saw they were actually selling them. I was thinking, God, these things are going to be like $500 to be $120 or just $60 if you just want the the jacket. It's actually not that bad. Yeah. 
And then I was once again successful with my national anthem bet of the under, um, although quite controversial as to the rules uh, of what defines the total the total of time. But Bovada at least clearly says the start of the first word and the end of the first brave. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately two seconds. <laughs> Ultimately, I think they're going to have to get, as I said to you privately, I think they're going to have to get rid of that because like what's the I only s- bet I consistently win. After that, I stopped watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> when I first started doing it, I don't know, 15 years ago, whenever that was, it was so gimmicky and kind of just a relaxed thing. And no one else, you know, like the larger public were not paying attention to it. Now, I mean, you like bet MGM had to pay out both the over and the under because of the controversy, like how controversial when the timing was supposed to stop, you get into whole situations. If you haven't really clearly defined your rules, like the music started several seconds before she started yeah. singing. So if you haven't laid that out, how do you run into that? Supposedly she missed a word. Oh, so did she? Hit- That's a big so- bet. That's like plus 800. <laughs> but you know, you get into this tricky ground, like, okay, you know, you've outlined Bovada does a good job of saying when it starts and when it finishes, yeah. but whether they miss words or not. Yeah. Whether she adds in an entirely new yeah. verse, yeah, yeah. You know, then like, then what happens, yeah. you know, what happens if she if has I... a, sh- a stroke mid performance, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> wow, that got dark. No, but you know, there's a moment, there's the, like the jets that fly over that make it hard to hear, some of the it went exactly it's ending i don't know it feels like to me maybe that's run its course and we get to look back fondly on a period of time when that was a thing she was cruising through it and then you once those jets came through and she got to like the last part she kind of paused for a second i was like do not do this do not give me like a 10 second pause to like let the anticipation build i was gonna get so pissed but yeah, she uh, just just made it according to the Bovada Times of the Under, which was good. That was one of only three bets I won the entire day. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought also the Post Malone, America the Beautiful, the Beautiful, that was awful. That was <laughs> truly terrible. That was not good. And I also, I don't care about them showing Taylor Swift. It doesn't bother me at all. I didn't. I I'll criticize her beer chug, which was. Like a quarter pint that she drank. It, she and she double clutched it. Yeah, she doesn't get any credit for that. The other thing I will say, when it cut to her and Blake Lively during the Post Malone performance, holding each other as if they were 12-year-olds at a concert, there was a little bit of judgment for me there. Like, <laughs> if I were in a box and that were going on, I, I might be leaving the box. Man, you're not the judging type. I've never heard of that before. No, no, no. I just sometimes we kind of. Allow I don't mind stuff. it either. The showing the Taylor Swift. I just don't get it when it's like Mahomes had that twenty-three yard run, and then they cut to Taylor Swift, and it's like, what? Did, like, there's no connection there. He, it wasn't Kelsey that ran the ball. Like, she's not. Yeah. She's not like the biggest Chiefs fan. It's not like you're cutting to like a lifelong Chiefs fan who also happens to be dating Kelsey. Like, if that were the case, okay, maybe. But she's gone to 12 games this year. Like, she's not the, the Chiefs fan. And not to mention, there was a bunch of other celebrities, good. right? Well, yeah. Well, two things. I'll, I'll um, brings up two points for me. One, I do agree with you. The uh, and the, uh, my other complaint, not about Taylor Swift herself, the people she brings with her which I made the comment, 
slightly annoying. They don't seem to give off football vibes at any of the Ice games Spice? she's attended. Ice Spice, fine. At least that's a celebrity. But when they celebrate, this, this is like something that really tiny, this bothers me more than it should. And if I were, if I were like <laughs> wait, a Chiefs... Wait, wait, real quick. Everything bothers you more than it should. <laughs> Something's bothering me more, <laughs> less than they should. That's going to go on your gravestone. Edward Hewitt, everything bothered him more than he should. (laughs) (laughs) But they seem to be, and it is going to, I don't know if I can actually express this as clearly as I want to. They seem to be celebrating for her and not celebrating like the Chiefs doing, like the Kelsey scores a touchdown and it's not, yes, Kelsey scored a touchdown. It's like, oh my God, Taylor, I'm so happy for you. Your boyfriend scored a touchdown. Do you understand like this really specific <laughs> distinction that I'm making? That whenever they cut to her box, there's such an instant everyone looks to her to celebrate more than, whoa, cool moment. I am celebrating what has just happened. Bothers me. and then final thing that bothers me the celebrities and look the kansas city chiefs fans who we've now seen trotted out to their celebrity fans paul rudd whatever the guy from modern family's called eric stone whatever his name is yeah we got it you're famous and you, you you like some sports teams we don't need to see you constantly. Paul Rudd's here. What else would he fucking be doing? You know, like <laughs> filming a movie. Least, I yeah, know. I know. But I mean, am I surprised that a multimillionaire who doesn't have a real job has made it to Las Vegas to watch a game? Not really. Does it change my enjoyment? Not at all. But yeah, there we go. There's my negativity for the day. <laughs> I'm sure that's not going to be the only negativity for the day. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I think overall, though, I don't know how I rate this Super Bowl, because if you asked me at the midway through the third quarter, I would have said this Super Bowl is boring as fuck. Like even at a point like the Niners stopped doing anything for half of that third quarter where it was like during the point where I was like, oh, my God, this this legitimately suck. Like, are we watching a shitty game? And then everything turned on its head once that that muff punt happened and then both teams just started going back and forth. And then it became like, from then on, you would call it whatever we'll call it the instant classic, but I don't know how you put that together. I mean, you talk about this a lot. This is another thing that gripes you is, you know, do you call a game that just had a great finish, a great game, like a, like a classic game? Cause I don't think that was a classic game because for three quarters, it was actually relatively long and boring. No, close games don't make great games, but close games do make good games. Like it does because you are left with a lasting impression of, whoa, that was tense at the end. But you're right. I mean, there was a moment in time when the Niners felt like they could get sort of, you know, 16, 17 points ahead, and that was probably going to be it. And then we were just going to watch a game limp to the finish without anything. Like it, it felt like even when the Niners were in control, I mean, their defense was making some nice plays, but. You didn't feel like they were playing particularly well, certainly not on offense. And there were nothing, no kind of like standout performances is reflected in 
you know, who would have been the MVP. Yeah. You know, we, it for a long been, time, I always thought Juwan Jennings. Yeah. I think if the chiefs fail on that and, you know, get the ball back and don't, or if the, I think if the Niners get that first down that we spoke about kick and instead of that field goal happening, kick the game winner, it, it's a, no as time. time expires, then Jennings wins it. I couldn't have been, couldn't have been. No, no I think it's Jennings. Anyone else. Only the second time it's ever happened. In Super Bowl, sorry. The cat, the receiving, the touchdown, and throwing one. You mean? Yep. yep. Him and Nick Foles. <laughs> what a elite company to be in. <laughs> hey, U of A grad, baby. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's. Uh, I don't. It wasn't a great game. It, it became entertaining because it was close, but it wasn't a great game. If that had just been a normal regular season game, we're not talking too much about it. If you see what I mean. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was that was fine. Yeah. Cool. You're just talking about Mahomes having ice in his veins and then move on. <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah, it was, uh, it, it got exciting at the end. The, the last comment is they, I think I would be happy if they could cut an hour out of the Super Bowl because that is just way, it was long before overtime. Like we were, I was doing something and it was, Two and a half hours had passed, and Usher hadn't even gotten on stage yet. It's like, oh my god, this is—we're in for like this might be three days. This game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't we, need that. It kicks off late, right? Because they basically only, only twelve minutes late, Eddie. That might be a new record for the Super Bowl. Only twelve <laughs> minutes late. It bothers me because I was trying to decide what time I was going to start watching coverage, and you know, the game here is supposed to kick off at. 1230. So, you know, 630. That's the slated kickoff time. Eastern time US. Then I was like, well, what time's the national anthem? So I googled that to try and give myself some indicator of when I should really start watching the scheduled national anthem time 630 Eastern. So like, well, <laughs> this is why you fucking kick off late because you're, you're actually scheduling two things for exactly the same time. Like, That's not how scheduling works. No, it isn't. That's just, and that bothered me, but that's long. The halftime, it felt like there was a really long time between when halftime started and when the Usher performance started. Sky actually struggled with that because at one moment they were like, let's now cut to Usher's halftime show. And then there was like a pause and then we just cut to the outside of the stadium view. And then it was like, oh, doesn't seem like Usher's ready. I guess we'll just have to kill time for a couple. Oh, okay. It looks like Usher's ready. But yeah, everything's slow and too long. And it makes you, it feels like you're playing two games. Yeah. No, it does. A hundred percent does. And I mean, it kind of almost did. <laughs> So final talking point to close out, Eddie, and I know this is something that I think will uh, get you a little fired up. Is this a dynasty? Are the Chiefs now considered a dynasty? Three out of the last four have made it to, I think, what, the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship all five years of Mahomes now? Yeah, and the Super Bowl, four of the last five. five. Yeah, it's a dynasty. I think I said the I think the rule I set for myself was three. I think three is the start. Uh, 
I don't know what Mahomes quite is thinking when he's like, we're just getting started. Uh, <laughs> and I get it. I mean, A, you have to say that he's relatively young, so he's not going to say, yeah. well, in the next 15 years, I'm not going to do anything. But, you know. He's currently on pace for Brady. Yeah, they I don't think he'll get Harrison under 30. Uh, they both have the same now. Three. three yeah, I don't, I don't think. I think we just, we don't appreciate how incredible it was that Brady was relevant in three decades of his life. Yeah. And so we just think like, well, okay, if you're on track, you know, it'd be like me running the first 200 meters of the marathon at record breaking pace and being like, well, if I can just keep that up for the rest of the time, like I'm on track guys, I'm absolutely destroyed and there's a long way to go. But, you know, I think we, we got to, we, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think people appreciate just the the sheer amount of years Brady played and played at a high level. And that's not like, and that will be nothing against Mahomes, where if he hits 34 years old and he's not as good as he was and ends up retiring, maybe let's say and he's 35, 36, like that's not just knock on Mahomes and say, you know, like, oh, that's pathetic or you know, that's not good, or he's not as good as we thought he was. But it's more towards just how much of an anomaly Brady was to be at the position of a quarterback and be that good and stay that healthy and active for that long is that's just different planet level. Yeah, and the luck that has to go into it, right? I mean, Brady only had one major injury in his career. He only lost one season to that. And I mean, it's not about being out like when he lost a season, he legitimately lost a season, but he never had, oh, first like wild card weekend, picked up an elbow injury out for the playoffs. Like that never, ever, you know, like that never happened to him. And we're starting to see it because I think Brady made us believe that this is just the sort of new way the NFL would work. But then you're starting to see it with all of the other players, quarterbacks from sort of his era or just after that no one's really able to sustain their performance in the same way. You know, like Rogers, okay, he's got the Achilles injury. You know, who knows? Peyton yeah, Manning. Let's see was, how good Rogers is, you know? Like Yeah. Peyton Manning was okay, ended with a Super Bowl, but did not look great when he did. No. Drew Brees basically throwing underhand his last two years. <laughs> yeah, and then has admitted he can't even use his arm anymore. You know, yeah, like I feel bad for Drew Brees. Well, he chose to keep going. The world wanted him to stop, and he held us hostage. So <laughs> the cost he had to pay was his arm. But, yeah, I don't think he'll get there. Well, with that, I think that wraps up the NFL season, and that leaves us a lot more time for next podcast and all the future podcasts for us to dig a little deeper into some uh, some gripes that Eddie has because he's been building a list and he's been holding it off for this playoff run. Checking it to, twice. Yeah, just holding it off so that way when he has more time, we can just give him the mic ISO style and just <laughs> let him go off. So stay tuned yeah. next podcast because right now this notebook has run out of pages. Everything is written in it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few things. There's some positive things too, but it's been a... <laughs> I'm sure there's not. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a few things to complain about. All right, well... Talk to you later. See you. See you.